0: I'm not Michelle.
1: And I'm not Rob.
0: And this is Two Two Librarians Librarians Walking to a a Shelf. shelf. Today's hot topic question. When you were younger, did you ever do anything that maybe your parents looked at you a little weird at for doing? Or did you ever... Maybe not all your friends were doing that kind of thing. Just something kind of strange out of the regular.
1: I don't think so. I was kind of, I always kind of wanted to fade into the background. So if I ever got the the inkling that something like wasn't cool or would make you stand out, it wasn't necessarily something I was interested in. Okay. What about you? Did you ever have a thing that made your parents like look at you weird or like, are you sure you want to do that?
0: I do. Okay. I do, I do, I do, and I'm proud to tell this story. All right. So, growing up in the '70s, one of the big heroes was Steve Austin, the Six Million Dollar Man, right? The Bionic Man, and of course, not
1: Stone Cold Steve Austin. Not Stone. No, this was years before (laughs) Stone Cold Steve Austin.
0: (laughs) I always thought that was weird, too, because, like, <laughs> like at some point, everyone's talking about Steve Austin. I'm like, oh, the Bionic Man. They're like, what?
1: <laughs> no,
0: the, the, <laughs> yeah, no, the wrestler. He's, he's a wrestler. He drinks beers and stuff. So, <laughs> no, we're talking about Six Million Dollar Man. And, of course, at some point, there was a line of toys that came out. Shows that used to come on in the 70s aren't like shows today where there was, like, that one main bad guy. It was just kind of random. So the toy line – oh, and, and meanwhile, there was also this, the bionic woman, Jamie Summers, played by yeah. Lindsay Wagner, who I still have feelings for. Sure. Uh, sometimes they would be on each other's shows. Sometimes there was a, 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 an episode that started on Six Million Dollar Man and, and ended on Bionic Woman. So this line of toys came, right, and I had to have all of them. So, of course, you got the Steve Austin doll. Six million dollar man, and you got the little it was a ship, and you kind of like it transformed into a lab so you could put the bionics in them. And then there was Bigfoot. Bigfoot was one of the bad guys on the show. He was an alien.
1: Alien Bigfoot?
0: Yeah, yeah. He pulled the, (laughs) he pulled all (laughs) the wiring out of him because we were like, Alien robots were still analog back then. Now they'd be digital. <laughs> and he was a good bad guy, but his, his, his the joints didn't move. He just kind of... Like a was, robot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I didn't think about it like that. And then the other, uh, the replicator or Decepticon, I forget what the other, there was another bad guy.
1: Decepticons are Transformers. Uh, well,
0: okay. <laughs> so it wasn't that. And this guy came with like three different faces, And like, maybe it was like a chainsaw for an arm and you pull it off and it'd have a sucker for an arm. So you could like stick them on a window and hang them off the window. I really should have looked (laughs) to see what he was called. He was awesome. But then there was like no more toys. So then they did Oscar Goldman and Oscar Goldman was Steve Austin's boss. (laughs) So like we literally played with a 12 inch. Action figure of his boss. Of his boss. <laughs> he had the tweed coat. He had he had a suitcase. And then if you turn the handle a certain way, the top would blow off and all the important papers that he was trying to bring to Steve Austin would would blow up. So you've got two bad guys, you've got one good guy, and then you've got the good guy's boss. With his papers. Right. Uh, <laughs> and then the line introduced the Jamie Summers. Action fashion doll.
1: Was she your first crush?
0: Jamie Summers made me realize what a silly schoolboy I was when I had a crush on Princess Leia from Star Wars. I see. This was when I matured into a man. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. So, I mean, Jamie Summers is the only woman that I might consider turning away from Linda Carter as Wonder Woman. Okay. So I wanted a Jamie Summers doll and maybe back then it wasn't as cool. I think it's a little cooler now. I like to think that maybe I helped pave the way. Maybe. It was one of those things like if I wanted it, you know, you save your allowance. And it was probably like $4.75, but back then, like
1: well, That's like $12 now.
0: Yeah. Back then though, you'd only get like a quarter a week. <laughs> Wages have gone way up for kids and allowances over the years. I save my money. And I was like, I am ready to go down and get my Jamie Summers Bonic Woman action fashion doll. And my dad was beside himself. No, oh, no. He was like, are you sure? I'm like, you guys aren't going to get it for me for my birthday. You've already said I can't have it for Christmas, The so Sam won't bring it. Yes. He's like, okay, if I, you know, if you, that's what you want. You had you want.
1: to complete the set.
0: Exactly. I and get it. And I think we got it at a Sears or someplace like that. It might have been a toy store. There used to be these little toy stores all over the place back then. I got at home and I played with that Jamie Summers bionic woman. And I think maybe once my dad might have made a joke. You know, you're playing with dolls. It's not a doll. It's Jamie Summers, the bionic woman. And he was like, okay, I get it.
1: (laughs) This changes everything.
0: Now, I played with all of them, so except for Oscar Goldman. Well, he what are you gonna always, do with
1: his papers? <laughs> I might have had
0: like a little office that I built for him and just left him. <laughs> like, but like,
1: a shoe, like a shoebox.
0: Yeah, Steve and Jamie were always fighting Bigfoot, and then and then I'd have them fight the GI Joes, and then I'd have them fight like there was the the big Star Wars, like Greedo. I think we had him, and 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 they would fight Darth Vader and stuff. So I played. With that, and none of my friends ever had a Jamie Summers fashion action doll, and I to to this day, if if that's if the joy that that doll brought me, I just played with it right up until they had some adventure and her foot broke off, and I did not have the technology to rebuild her.
1: No. <laughs>
0: yeah, and then I just sort of like, <laughs> I think at that point I might have like tried to glue her shoe. Onto her pants, so but she never stood up right. The foot was broke off, and and at that point, it, I had gotten a little bit past playing with that kind of stuff. Anyway, but uh, so yeah, so I did that. It might have been strange for my folks for like five minutes, but they they were cool. But I was determined, man. I had to finish the set. I went and bought it. I remember the look that the lady gave me. I think she asked if it was for my sister, and I said no, it's it's for me. And uh, heck,
1: no! I'm not buying that for her.
0: <laughs> what are you talking about? What What you talking about? This is my Jamie Summers fashion action doll, and I played with it forever. I never did the. Now I was cool. I was a I was a dude. I didn't comb her hair or anything. <laughs> that poor doll. I didn't buy dresses for her. You, you she, know that
1: doll? Like they they require maintenance. No. Okay. Which
0: is probably why her foot broke off. Probably. <laughs> so. So that's my to doing something that was a little bit off center that my
1: so by the time i was you know like you're a few years older so by the time i was old enough to buy my own toys or whatever it was like okay for girls to like dude stuff
0: so if you wanted to go get some action man figures or something or some uh x-men figures like i had i never really
1: had barbies but i had like a set of dolls of the babysitter's club and i was i was into that but also like i played with gi joes and stuff and I was, you know, I was kind of a tomboy, played sports and played outside and got muddy and dirty and did all that kind of stuff and rode bikes around the neighborhood. And I didn't spend a lot of time with the Barbies or even the Babysitter's Club stuff. But it was cool. It was okay for girls to be into the, quote, masculine stuff or the stuff that was, quote, for boys.
0: Did, did you know any boys that would play with dolls? Because I like to think that I helped pave the way for them.
1: So, there were dolls for boys in the eighties. you might what? remember, yeah, there was my buddy,
0: oh yeah, and like the my monster or whatever yeah the the kind of the precursor to Chucky,
1: yes, and <laughs> those songs like my buddy, <laughs> yeah, my buddy. my buddy and me and yeah. there was the there was the monster one, like my monster or whatever. do you remember that one? I do, so like there was movement toward dolls for boys. And that made it okay because, you know, like it was a monster or like my buddy was wearing overalls. He was a man. So it wasn't odd necessarily by that time. And also like G.I. Joes and X-Men figures and Transformers and on and on and on. I mean, like they were dolls. Just packaged them as action figures for boys. G.I. Joes had hair. They were the same size as Barbie's. Yeah, they could. They came with accessories.
0: They could fraternize.
1: It was the same
0: thing. Right. And now I will say my brother and I had every Star Wars action figure. Hell yeah. Between Star Wars and Empire. So we had a couple different Princess Leia's, but they were small. And it didn't seem weird.
1: It was just one. So
0: it was okay. Well, we had had the regular one, and then we had the Hoth. I think there was a Hoth uh, Princess Leia one from Empire. Right. With the snowsuit or whatever? Yeah, yeah. But... It wasn't like a 12-inch. It was one of the small, small. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Costumes. What were they, like four inches or something? Yeah. So, but, yeah, and, you know, it never, it never occurred to me that it was weird because to my way of thinking, there was nothing. I loved watching Bionic Man and Bionic Woman, and it was just the Bionic Woman. Like, it seemed so natural that I would want to play with the Bionic Woman like I would the Bionic Man. All right. Uh, we would like to take a second, though, to say thank you to everybody who's been listening to us. We are humbled. Yes. Uh, we we were looking at some stats, and you know, we figured surely people in our library system would listen. You know, for to a couple, but you guys are everywhere. You guys are listening to us all across the country.
1: It's pretty cool.
0: It's very cool. Like, how did you guys find us? That's what I want to know. How did you find us? Have you listened more than once? (laughs) You know, do you enjoy what we're doing? Just uh, drop us a line. Uh, Let us know who you are, how you found us. Um, You know, it looks like people have accidentally found us in other countries. Who knows?
1: I think that's probably people's VPNs.
0: It's cool to think that somebody... In another country, was like looking and found us, and then that's true, and then turned us off. Right? They're like, oh, I
1: but yeah, you can rate, uh, rate the podcast on your Apple Podcasts app. Uh, there's little star ratings, five stars would be great. You can leave a review in that app. You can also leave a review on Anchor if you'd like to. You can also send us a voice message in Anchor if you use Anchor to listen to us. That could be cool. You can email us at the Madison Public Library's email account, madison at hmcpl.org, and you can just put in the title that's for Robin Michelle, and whoever checks that email address that day will forward it on and ignore it just like they should. It'll get to us.
0: Yes. You know, we got it. We got an email not too long ago.
1: We did, from our listener, Lou.
0: And Lou is of the opinion that maybe James Patterson isn't a real person. Which is interesting. I think we've mentioned that because we play the library game with different guests. And
1: everybody wants to get rid of James Patterson books.
0: Yeah. Just because there's so many. Like no one said, well, we have had somebody who's tried to read them when they were younger and and couldn't get into it. But no one said James Patterson because he writes awful books. Everyone's like, because there's so many.
1: And they're all the time.
0: All the time. So maybe it's a robot. So, maybe James Patterson is just a name. Interesting. Maybe, oh, do you think it could be a computer? They it's like
1: just. Now it's just written by like an AI. Yeah. Well, oh, that's creepy.
0: And they just, it just pumps out like they say, here's your, here's the words,
1: here's the names, and you go at it. Yeah. Maybe.
0: So, interesting Lou, theory. Lou. Lou certainly thinks so. So, we appreciate you sharing that with us.
1: I do. So this month for our book club, uh, we picked a science fiction called A Long Way to a Small Angry Planet by Becky Chambers. It's the first of a series. It's a well-loved series. The second and third in the series won Hugo Awards. Um, it has a huge following and fan base. You know, So we thought we'd give that one a shot. It was recommended by a coworker. Uh, a coworker's partner really enjoyed the books and recommended it. So we gave that a shot. I used to read a lot of science fiction, actually. Authors like Jack McDevitt, and McCaffrey, Peter F. Hamilton. I even read Starship Troopers. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, and, and Asimov and, and lots of classics. I really liked science fiction for a while. This was 15, maybe, yeah, 15 years ago. It was my genre. Science fiction at the time was focused on a couple of, like, cliches or tropes, like macho military guys. It was almost always, like, paramilitary or military going to get a thing or...
0: Some mission.
1: Yeah, mission or, like, an outpost was demolished Just go figure out why or whatever. But it was always military-focused. And after a while, it became, like, over-explanatory on, like, the tech and the science involved and, like, robot mumbo-jumbo, and it just, I don't know. The thing that always threw me for a loop, though, when reading science fiction was when a ship's, like, AI, when the ship is sentient and falls in love with the captain or a crewmate or whatever, and I was always like, I'm done.
0: That's always weird. I
1: can't, my head can't wrap my wrap itself around a robot having enough intelligence that I would find it attractive. I just, I cannot. I've never been able to. I've read lots of science fiction and it's not an uncommon trope where you fall in love and maybe have relations with and I don't understand how that works but whatever. Well, you a don't ship. trust
0: robots, so you would never You're be right. intimate I, with I, a robot. I
1: do not trust robots, so maybe this is why I just I cannot understand why you'd be like that ship looks good. <laughs> So anyway, that became a very common thing. And so I was like, I'm out. I'm done with science fiction for a while. It was very clearly written for men and by men, except Anne McCaffrey was woman, but it was very clearly the same kind of tropey stuff. And she was the worst, maybe the best, depending on how you look at it, about ships and crewmates falling in love. Oh, wow. So that, I was out. I was done with science fiction. The best out of all those, I think, was Peter Hamilton. While it may have been military-based science fiction, it never felt like Starship Troopers, if that makes sense. It wasn't like meathead military guys. Right. They were always like, I'm this guy in the military, and I kind of hate that I'm in the military, but this is my job and I'm doing a thing. So it wasn't like, hoorah, shoot the bugs. It, you know, it was a different feel. So I understand why Becky Chambers wanted to write this book. So the history of the book was Chambers lost her job. She started a Kickstarter so that she could publish this book got picked up by a publisher after it was finished she wanted to write a book that turned all of these science fiction tropes on themselves and I think in that regard she succeeded but maybe for me too much because without some of the tension and the conflict and maybe in a science fiction realm there needs to be more more fighting something but there wasn't enough tension to keep me interested in this book it was very hard to care. There just wasn't, there wasn't enough. I needed to know why, why did I care about these characters other than the fact that they care about each other? And I thought that was cute and heartwarming that you're on a ship and everybody's getting along and we're learning things about each other and learning how to get along with different species that may not act or react like you would to situations. And I liked that, but there just wasn't enough other stuff happening in the book to make it worthwhile for me.
0: And I get that, and I think I had a similar experience with this book because basically what you just described was Star Trek. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what Star Trek was. Star Trek,
1: character driven,
0: uh, character driven, uh, uh, diversified crew, diversified it, you know, adventures with all kinds of different people on different planets, just everyone trying to get along. But what it had was there was always conflict. Yes. There was always somebody trying to stab Kirk with, you know, a sword or, you know, shoot him. It wasn't just making out with green ladies. Right. There was always something that had to be resolved in every episode. There wasn't a whole lot that I felt got resolved in this story. It was a lot. Now, one thing I did like was the interaction between the characters because it was almost like a 40s slapstick. Howard Hawks movie, yes, with the rapid dialogue back and forth. I love that. It was funny. It was great, and you get you get a lot of characterization in that kind of back and forth. But there wasn't anything that kind of, that kept me wondering what was going to happen next. It, it, you know, there's a point where they go shopping, and this could be a scene in any story. It actually made my Mind wander to similar stories and movies that I'd seen. You know, Star Trek was the first one that I kind of thought of, and then I'm, I kind of thought of uh, really Firefly, Serenity. Uh, yeah, if you've seen that show and, and movie. It seemed like it it could be like if you were to take one and lay it on the other, <laughs> they would line up and everything would be yeah pretty similar. Yeah. So once I started thinking about that and and other stuff similar and i don't have a problem if 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 something reminds me of something else usually i get into it mm-hmm. this time i didn't cuz i was thinking how much more i enjoyed some of this other stuff and it just was i lost my focus time and again and it was it was kind of tough to get through
1: a lot i think a lot of what the book was trying to say happened in exposition and that doesn't work for me like i don't want somebody to sit i love them sitting around the table having a meal like, I love those scenes. Right. They're, they're all getting to know each other. They're like a chosen family. That's one of the themes of the book is chosen family. Right. So I liked that, the chosen family aspect. And I liked they're trying to get along with each other and like each other and not trying to fight each other. And that's what happens a lot in a lot of other science fiction is, you know, you might have a, a crew in their mess hall eating, but they're all like stabbing each other with their knives and yelling at each other how stupid they are. And this wasn't that. Right, But it was like a scene from Firefly. And I didn't hate that. It just, there wasn't enough conflict to keep me interested. It was
0: distracting.
1: This is this is a well-known plot point. It's not a spoiler. The ship is boarded by pirates. And they fix it by talking about it. And then the pirates are like, oh, yeah, we'll just take a little food and some algae to power our ship. And then we're on our way. It's cool.
0: Okay, pirates.
1: Like, like, um, I need more conflict than that.
0: You guys are awesome. Come by again.
1: So, like, there is big conflict at the end of the book, and I don't, I don't know the book. How how long is too long on the like the statute of limitations on spoilers? Um, do I give away the ending? I don't know.
0: No, we probably don't want to give away the All ending. Right.
1: But there is like a tragedy at the end of the book, and to me, that seems shocking because the way the rest of the book goes, right? Because it just doesn't seem like that would happen in that. Anyway.
0: Didn't quite fit, did it, it? It
1: didn't, but I wanted to like the book. And I liked I liked that all of those stereotypes, cliches, and tropes that you, you see in all media, not just science fiction. Like when you're introducing uh, in a fantasy world and you're trying to like show your reader what kind of new race you're being introduced to, you code them as something we're already familiar with. You know, if you look at Tolkien, the elves are clearly coded as Asian, and the humans are European, and then some bad guys are coded, supposedly coded as other racial stereotypes um, so that you know what you're getting into as you read it. It's familiar for your reader, and a lot of science fiction does that too, where they'll have, um, you know, you'll land on a planet and they look like and have... Clothing that reminds an American reader of a Native American. And so you know that they're natives or they're savages, quote. We can't say that, but we're going to code these characters that way so that you know what you're getting into. There was actually a popular Y that came out a few years ago that caused a lot of stir because it's an alien race. They're called savages, but they are clearly like Native Americans. Mm. So it's a thing that a lot of writers fall back on. And I liked that Chambers didn't do that. And the way that she did that, she kind of flipped it on itself. Where everybody is on equal footing and you're not meeting a new race of aliens or sapiens, as they're called in the book, um, that's coded as Asian. And so they're like docile and hypersexualized and super smart or whatever. They're not coded as Arabic in any of their affectations. And I think it's good that it created a, a template for other writers to get away from that. Cause I think that happens too often.
0: Were there any characters? I, I especially liked Dr. Chef.
1: <laughs> yeah. Cause he's you <laughs> <laughs> like the sage guy that gives everybody advice or whatever. I I've like, been around a few times. I I'll really tell you connected how it is. With,
0: with that particular character. I, I liked him. I know you did. So this is actually the first of, a, I think, a three-part series?
1: Maybe, maybe four
0: parts. I found up to three okay. uh, after this was a closed and common orbit and then record of a space-born few. And we have all those in the system, and then they're all available on Hoopla books and uh, audiobooks. So the, I would say the one thing, because I got distracted so many times, right. and this is just my opinion, I felt like the book was just too long, like it it didn't. It, if this is your first book, maybe you shouldn't have taken so much liberty and time to be so leisure with rolling out your story. Like maybe a lot of it could have been cut. Like maybe prove that you can tell an engaging story with sixty or seventy thousand words before you try to tell an engaging story of a hundred and. 20,000 words or whatever it was, because like, like it's almost opposite in my mind of what it should be, because like the other chapters in this series get shorter and shorter. Like she said, everything she needed to say in the first one. Oh. And then, so to my way of thinking, you should prove yourself a storyteller. I think you're a better storyteller when you don't have as many words to I fall see. back on.
1: Well, there wasn't enough conflict to support the link
0: and and that's and that's exactly what i mean. Yeah. That's exactly what i mean. Like if if she, if if her editor would have said, "Hey, you need to cut 20,000 words." It would have tightened this book up, i think. But, you know, what do i know? This is a huge book. Yeah. <laughs> you know, all the whole series seems to be pretty well regarded, Yeah, it, wins, it, has, huge, it has
1: a huge fan base. Yeah. It's so. one awards. She's, uh, Becky Chambers has a new book coming out this year that uh, sounds pretty interesting as well. It's like robots in the wild. Ugh, so, sounds terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking probably the next two are probably better, but I don't know that I'm willing to jump back in yet. Maybe. I do like science fiction. I like the themes, the chosen family theme. You know, like you get to pick right who you choose to walk the earth with or, you know, travel the universe with. And I also like the theme that, you know, your past isn't doesn't dictate who you are. Your family, yeah. your family doesn't dictate who you are. I like that. You don't have to live out your destiny if someone else has already like told you who you are and what you're going to be. And escaping bad things in your past is okay.
0: Sure, I mean, you know, move on with your life.
1: So I, I liked that. I liked the turning of the tropes on their heads, but it's just not enough tension. But so it was funny.
0: If somebody, it was, it was very amusing. If somebody asked you, should I read it? This is what I, you know, this seems like something I might like.
1: I think if you like YA science fiction, you'll probably like this. Yeah. If you like character-driven books, and some people prefer character-driven over tension or plot or conflict-driven, this is 100% a character-driven book.
0: Yes, definitely.
1: Um, if you like humor, like if you're into reading funny books, this is a funny book.
0: It has some moments. Some of the some of the dialogues between some of the characters. Again, that fast yes. back and forth is really. I really think that cool. works
1: better on screen than it does on paper. For me personally. Yeah. But it was funny, and I did enjoy it. And if you want science fiction that's maybe warm fuzzy and less, go fight the baddies.
0: Yeah, that's definitely or if you've not this one.
1: Or if you've never read science fiction, and it's something you might be interested in. This is a good one to start with because it's not heavy on the tech explanations and not heavy on the like, this is the galactic blah, 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 and the world started with this and that and, and explaining everything from the beginning like some science fiction wants to do to recreate something. That could, that's interesting to some people, but maybe you're not in it for a thousand, a thousand pages of tech garbledy yeah. gook. So this is a good way to get into science fiction that isn't that bogged down with tech explanations and faster than light drive fixing like pages worth of how to fix a faster than light drive that happens. And that's sad.
0: I, yeah, I don't, I don't like science. I, my science fiction ideally is like 50s, 60s pulp science fiction. I think
1: We're, this is, this is like the, the modern day version of that.
0: It's close to it because it's not tech heavy. Yeah. But there's there was always more like that pulpy stuff. I mean, I'm talking about stuff that was written before we went to the moon. Yeah. Before man walked on the moon.
1: Right when they thought women were on the moon, cat women were on the moon.
0: Well, cat women were on the moon. Right. But monsters made them leave, so they took their green cheese and went. Sure. To Mars. Are women from Mars?
1: No, women are from Venus.
0: Men are from Mars. Yes. <laughs> But there's always go to Jupiter to get more <laughs> stupider. Uh, <laughs> I think so, it's
1: time to wrap it up. <laughs>
0: well that pulp kind of science fiction always had this weird sense of wonder because we didn't know what was out there yet. Right. And there was always something. And that's what I kind of cling to when I read those. There's always this, you know, I think that we're gonna learn the, the answers to all, all the questions of the universe here. And uh, that's the kind that I like to read. So I kind of like to read older stuff that the computer is not, you know, they don't sit and talk to the computer. They kind of type it out and colored lights flash. (laughs) And I don't know how you read that, but they always knew how to do it in the old movies and the old uh, stories. So who knows? But uh, if you want to check it out, my notes are flying all over. If you want to check it out, it's Becky Chambers a long way to a small angry planet. Again, we have it in the system, and it is on Hoopla. Yeah. So, did you uh, have you seen anything new lately? Watching new movies. I know we've been reading this book, but certainly.
1: I watched an older movie.
0: Okay. Did you did ever you see
1: Chef with John Favreau? No. It was so cute.
0: That was his movie that he made after he was tired of making a bunch of blockbusters, and he just wanted to kind of start over with a small little. It
1: has some fun cameos.
0: Does it? Yeah. We have that, don't we?
1: Yeah, I just turned it back in. Okay, all right. It's in a bin back there. No, it was so cute. So I I recommend that one. You know, it's like about this, you know, he's a chef and he's like well-loved and his restaurant's always packed. And then like a reviewer comes and gives him a terrible review and his life starts falling apart because like he doesn't know who he is anymore and he like. Explodes in the restaurant and it goes viral. Somebody has recorded it. Oh and It's man. very. It's this is an older movie, so this is like he's like, what's well, a tweet? You know, like anyway. And so like everybody knows who he is he? It who he is, and he can't get another job, and it, you know he's working out a separation from his wife and his kid, and just conflict that kind of tension in the background of the other story. It was very well done with all the different things happening in the movie. He's got like the restaurant conflict, the family conflict, and like. Figuring out who he is now. Conflict.
0: And is it a comedy or a drama or a dramedy?
1: A dramedy. A
0: little bit of.
1: I think it's more comedy than drama. It's it's more heartfelt than sad.
0: Okay. Recommend. All right. I checked out a movie that we talked about that we both wanted to see. We're interested in months ago. We finally got in the system. Freaky. Oh yay! This movie has everything. (laughs) This movie. Is great. Yes, it's a slasher movie. It's a slasher movie made for now. Uh, You know, slasher movies can't get away with some of the old dumb stuff that we used to do back in the 80s. So this is, it was actually the original title. They had wanted to call it Freaky Friday the 13th, but it takes place on Friday the 13th. You have a young girl that this killer has targeted, and (laughs) he stabs her. I'm not going to tell you the details, but they switch. And the next morning, the killer wakes up in the young girl's body. The young girl wakes up in the killer's body. And Vince Vaughn is at the top of his game. He plays a hulking killer. He plays a teenage girl stuck in the body of a hulking killer so well. And there's so much stuff in it. Now, this is a very R-rated movie as far as language situations, uh, the violence is so ridiculously over the top. It's okay. very gory, but it's so ridiculous that I don't think that it would it would bother you. I think you would be more amused by it. But Vince Vaughn has this girl, and then the girl I I knew I had recognized her from something. She's she's the girl that was in uh, the fourth uh, Paranormal Activity movie. Okay, and that was a pretty good one. And she is so funny when she kind of comes into her own as you know she's kind of a bully you know she's been bullied by so many people so like when the killer's in her body he doesn't want anybody to bother him so he can do what he needs to do to stay in the body and all these other kids are and teachers are bullying her (laughs) so he's having to take care of that it was so good. It was hilarious. It's funny. It's gory. I don't know that it's necessarily scary, but it's got thrills, like jump scares. Yeah, it's got. It's definitely got some jump scares, and then it builds to the uh, will they swap bodies sure. or not at the ending. Uh, you know, every child's play Chucky movie ends that same way, but uh, it works here. It's a it's a very fun movie. I wouldn't watch it with your kids or anything, but uh, I would definitely say watch it. That one caught my eye. I think, yeah, I think that you would enjoy this one. And we do have uh, several copies in the system. So put it on hold, pick it up, and check it out. Okay. Good. Super.
1: (laughs) Well, you know what they say.
0: Don't trust robots.
1: Oh, we're supposed to say that together. Yeah. You know what they say. Don't trust robots. We've done lost it.
0: That's the first time we never did that right. The views expressed by the hosts are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the Huntsville-Madison County Library System. For more information on the Huntsville-Madison County Public Library, visit us online at hmcpl.org. If you'd like to learn more about some of the topics discussed today, visit your local library, which is us. No representation is made that your librarian is more knowledgeable than other librarians or that they have any expertise on your particular project.